Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about emerging trends, marketing strategies, and regulatory pressures. Nutrition-packed, environmentally sustainable, and already notoriously well-known, although in many ways for the wrong reasons, hemp is well-positioned to become one of the next big superfood superstars in the U.S. According to the nonprofit trade group Hemp Industries Association, sales of hemp food in 2015 reached $89.5 million, with sales of hemp CBD close behind at $65 million and supplements at $47.1 million. And based on the new hemp product launches since then, as well as the growth by category players such as Evo Hemp, which says it's growing more than 300% year over year, the ingredient is clearly continuing down a path for greatness. But to really take off and recognize its full potential, industrial hemp needs to overcome some significant barriers in the U.S., including consumer confusion about the ingredient's safety, the Drug Enforcement Agency's stubborn refusal to remove the crop from the list of controlled substances, and limited production of the ingredient in the U.S. To learn more about the hemp industry's budding success in the U.S., as well as the challenges and opportunities for players in the space, I chatted with Chad Rosen, the founder of Victory Hemp Foods. Rosen explained that Victory Hemp Foods is all about, as well as how his company is helping to create a new economy in Kentucky and provide nutritious food for Americans, all while also creating environmentally sustainable new commodity crop. He explained that Victory Hemp Foods launched in 2014 in direct response to the 2014 Farm Bill which was groundbreaking in that it allows hemp to be grown in 28 states as long as it's industrial hemp and cultivated for purposes of research conducted under an agricultural pilot program or other agriculture or academic research. started the business in uh, 2014. Um, we got the brand off the ground in 2016. Um, and, uh, and, and, and we did that in response to the 2014 Farm Bill, you know, which was largely written by politicians uh, from uh, Kentucky. There, there were other uh, um, senators and congressmen in, in different states. But I think, um, you know, with the, the, the history of hemp growing in Kentucky and the political um, willingness and understanding of how hemp fits into uh, the agricultural community, um, it was it was it was really um, Kentucky that kind of led the charge. Uh, the commissioner of agriculture here at the time, Jamie Comer, um, said, "Look, you know, we're always trying to, and we need to find um, more profitable crops for our state, which is you know, which is is, is really an ag state." You know, we've 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 been really suffering with the cost of, or the price of uh, corn. You know, dropping below four dollars a bushel. Tobacco is uh, is going the way of the dodo since the, the the tobacco buyout. It's just gotten further and further um, uh, more and more difficult for farmers to to make a living as they cut contracts. Um, and th- there aren't many great solutions on the horizon for a large-scale commodity crop that farmers can actually, you know, kind of search for price parity on. And, 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 and he, he understood how valuable hemp was um, as a crop because of its 
it's 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 diverse revenue streams, right? We just do grain, but there's also you know fiber uh, revenue that can be derived from the crop and um, and nutraceutical uh, um, medicinals that can be derived from the crop as well. Again, you know we just focus on one segment, which is the food at Victory Hemp Foods, but. Um, yeah, that's 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 kind of why we moved to Kentucky because we knew that there was enormous amounts of political support behind us. Well, there may be a lot of political support in Kentucky for industrial hemp. There's a lot of political controversy about it elsewhere, including with the Drug Enforcement Agency, which Rosen explains through a wrench in the works in the 2014 Farm Bill when it declared the legislation did not apply to the flowers of the crop, and as such it would not remove industrial hemp from the list of controlled substances. Um, there is uh, some hang-ups on what parts of the plant are being considered um, to be industrial hemp. Um, and, you know, the, the way that they defined it in the 2014 Farm Bill um, was very intentional. They said any, um, any, anything, any plant in the cannabis sativa family it is less than 0.3% THC, which is to say no THC, um, is industrial hemp. Anything with more is marijuana, right? So that was that was that was how the bill was 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 kind of written, and it did. And, and, and where the controversy came came to, to rest was when agencies like the DEA um, said, well, that w the farm bill wasn't intended to pertain to flowers. It was just meant to pertain to the seeds and the stalks. And that caused a lot of confusion. First off, it was completely incorrect and untrue. There was nothing written. There was no intent um, by politicians. They knew exactly what they were doing. Um, and so, so because there was, there was, there was uh, this final ruling that the DEA came out with saying that the bill didn't apply to the flowers only season stocks. It, it, it created some confusion and some chaos in you know the hemp industry. In an effort to clear up confusion and bring the DEA on board, Congress currently is considering the Industrial Hemp Farming Act, which seeks to remove from the Controlled Substances Act industrial hemp as defined as anything with less than 0.3% THC, which is what gives people a high from marijuana. Even though similar legislation has been introduced and failed in the past, Rosen is confident that this time supporters will see victory. This bill is not being introduced with, um, with, with the expectation that there's going to be any resistance to it. They've done an enormous amount of work on both sides um, of the, the political spectrum to make sure that everyone understands what the bill is, to make sure what hemp is. Uh, make sure to make sure that they understand what hemp is, to make sure that they understand how it impacts their constituents, um, and 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 to get the buy-in from all 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 um all congressmen to, to really understand um, exactly how this can impact their districts uh, in, in terms of economics. Uh, I don't think there is uh, a state in the union that doesn't have um, a rural community that couldn't be. Um, couldn't couldn't realize the benefits of legalizing industrial hemp from a manufacturing standpoint, from an economic and um, uh, and, and environmental benefit, um, and it's one that there there seems to be very 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 little um, opposition to. So I, I am I'm, I'm very confident that this bill 
um, is is going to have um, the support that it needs um, to, to 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 be approved in both in both the House and in the Senate. Descheduling industrial hemp would go a long way towards clearing up confusion about the ingredient. But according to Rosen, a lot of education still needs to be done at the consumer level to assure shoppers that eating a granola bar with hemp hearts, for example, will not cause them to fail their next drug test. Of course, a little bit of a hangover in terms of, um, I would say, um, miss misinformation of what industrial hemp is. I mean, we go to the farmer's market and we sell our products uh, at, at, you know, uh, four, four days a week um, at the farmer's markets. We do demos in grocery stores all the time. We actually set up at the Kentucky State Fair. Um, and, you know, half of what we do is advocacy and, and, and education. There is, I mean, I would say 50% of our sales um, come from educating a consumer. We, we rely on that aha moment when people, you know, get over the snickering joke of, well, you know, am I, am I going to fail a drug test if I, you know, sample your product, right? Like, we work through that. And it, it's terrific, to be quite frank, it's a terrific icebreaker um, when you're demoing your product. But it's, 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 it's the, the battle's being won, I think, on the education front uh, and, the, and, and the collective consciousness of, of, of the population is, is, is quickly coming around. You educate one person, and those, that one person now goes and educates, you know, five to ten people, right? And so we're having a reverberating effect um, of people that, that, that are understanding. I think the controversy is, is, is going to, to, to subside um, a, lot, uh, a lot quicker than, than, than we all kind of expect. Um, and these products will become, you know, as mainstream as, say, soya um, in the next five years. To help consumers better understand the difference between industrial hemp and marijuana, Rosen compares the plants to cats. It's, it's, it's all part of the, the cannabis sativa family, right? So um, it, just like, um, just like dog, uh, cats or felines, right, you have... Um, your Siamese cat and you have your, your Russian blue, and they have very phenotypical differences um, that set them apart, making one, um, one, one part of, but they're both part of the same family. Um, and the phenotypical difference that we're looking for in cannabis sativa is, uh, is, is the level of THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol, it's a, it's a, it's a phytocannabinoid, um, which is one that makes you feel euphoric and um, it, it's the one that, that, that the government um, is, you know, uh, that, that, that people use for medicinal effects. Um, and so what we're looking for is any uh, plant in the cannabis sativa family that has less than 0.3% THC is essentially industrial hemp. So it can look the same, it can taste the same, it can smell the same um, uh, as uh, marijuana. But as long as it has less than 0.3% THC, it's industrial hemp. Now, to say to, to go a little bit further and ask what is what is hemp, um, it's it, it you know for us it, it represents you know a lot of different things. Um, uh, in in our world, we look at it as a terrific source of plant-based proteins. We look at it as a terrific source of uh, omega-3 essential fatty acids. We look at it as um, a uh, terrific um, fiber that can be used in industrial applications to replace fiberglass um, and plastics. Uh, we know other people that look at it as a terrific uh, cure for um, uh, cancer and uh, uh, 
inflammation. So there's, you know, it's, 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 it's a long conversation about where hemp can be utilized, what it means. Um, to different, it means different things to different people, um, but it's an incredibly valuable and diverse uh, plant at the end of the day. But as Rosen also points out, consumer confusion about hemp and what types and parts of the plant can and cannot get them high is a double-edged sword that holds some consumers back from trying it, but also attracts others to it. A lot of it, from a marketing standpoint, is a bit of the forbidden fruit um mentality so you know we developed a, a hemp hot dog right with uh well we supplied the, the hemp for a guy that had a, a feed company right so you know and, and and that's not a plant-based protein play as much as it is a marketing play um we developed uh and when i say we develop we work with people that have these companies you know that that, that, that have value-added products a pasta um company out of new jersey Severino's pasta developed a, a um a, a hemp pasta um, and it's it's going great. Uh, I think that the nutritional profile is 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 you know once people flip over the package and start reading, it's very attractive in the in the sense that it's lower carb, higher protein pasta. But what what draws them in to pick up the package is the fact that it's hemp and the fact that there's some curiosity, um, the fact that it is the forbidden fruit, and they've heard a lot about it. But now they want to know, okay, why is it good for me? Um, but if it wasn't for the fact that it was hemp and it had this kind of um, storied past, it, it might not get grab the attention, um, you know, like, like, like another um, ingredient would. As Rosen hinted there, hemp's powerful nutritional profile is another key driver in consumers' interest in the ingredient. I wasn't a nutritionist going into this, and I wasn't even part of the food world going into this in the, in, um, the food and agriculture industry. But but what I've come to realize over the last three years is um, talking through to, to researchers um, at some of the universities, University of Kentucky, University of Louisville, um, is is that the nutritional profile of hemp stands head and shoulders above the rest uh, in terms of being a plant-based protein. Um, being made of uh, a destin protein, um, which is really similar to the protein found in the human body, it has more digestible protein than any other plant-based protein on the market, um, which is to say we know that consumers are looking for alternatives to soy. We grow 80 million acres of soy in the United States. There's no reason that uh, hemp can't be a replacement for um, soy in human um, food products, right? I think that um, the the potential is just unmatched, um, unparalleled from so many um, different aspects. When you start to look at the amino acid profile, it has uh, all nine essential amino acids. Um, L-arginine is a really valuable amino acid. Um, same reason a lot of bodybuilders use creatine, the precursor to nitrous oxide. Uh, it's 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 just uh, it, it it's by its it's 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 in its natural state um, without much modification. Hemp has an incredible nutritional profile, and I would say that as the industry grows and as the supply chain becomes more mature, we're going to find ourselves in a place where the price points can really um, come close to competing with the incumbent. Uh, ingredients that are, are, are filling those positions, um, you know, whether it's a, a lecithin or a protein isolate. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's incredibly water-soluble. 
in its pure states, there's just an enormous amount of places where we can, uh, where we'll, we will see hemp be used as an ingredient. I, I don't think that, you know, we see it at being used right now, you know, on store shelves in the obvious places where maybe you find it in your bulk bin at your Whole Foods or your hemp hearts or hemp oil or hemp protein powder in your, your, um, in the health food section of your grocery store. Um, but beyond that, I think it will have uh, an enormous market as an ingredient for um, to, 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 to help the plant-based protein, um, plant-based uh, food market continue to, uh, to grow um, into the future. Okay. With so many major trends and benefits pushing hemp forward, along with the economic potential it offers rural communities and farms, Rosen predicts it's only a matter of time before hemp becomes a commodity crop that will attract large corporations. I think it's going to be more and more um, become more and more of a commodity, which is only a good thing because we're going to watch the market continue to expand. As I, as I kind of alluded to earlier, it has the performance characteristics, um, you know, for certain you know applications uh, that will let it stand on its own as a terrific alternative to some of the incumbent materials that might be having an adverse effect on either the economy or the workforce or um, have, have, uh, have economically played out. I think that we're going to see um, more incumbent um, corporations start to embrace hemp, um, especially when this Controlled Substance Act, um, or especially once it falls off the Controlled Substance Act. I think that's when we're going to see um, major corporations who are involved in commodity agriculture, industrial agriculture, and major food companies um, begin to uh, incorporate it into their products and, and, and begin to, to, to take a serious look at, at how they're going to shape their policy um, and their products and, uh, and their divisions to um, understand how they can utilize this amazing plant. While many people might shy away from such competition, Rosen says he's embracing it, in part because he believes that the benefits of hemp for the health of people, the economy, and the environment are worth it. With that, we come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join us again next week, and until then, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week. 